Welcome back to Home Improvements, our relationship series. You know, when we plan a series or messages, we spend time in prayer seeking God's leading. Um, So this series isn't just timely because we're doing renovations downstairs. In case any of you haven't noticed, we are in major renovation mode. uh, And Home Improvements cutely goes along with that. Uh, But really, I believe that it's timely in the life of the church. Many of you have been asking advice from us and from other leaders on relationships, building relationships, beginning families, looking for help, bringing relationships back to good health again. And know that as much as we have listened and heard, God also hears the questions in your heart, the prayers of your heart, and he will bring the answers that you seek And I pray that he will use us to help bring some wisdom uh, in this. The topic of relationships is very broad. Um, Megan and I were talking this morning. She's doing our visual. I don't know what the word is. Projection. There we go. And uh, I was like, there's a lot of scriptures, and I probably cut out about half of them. But you know, this book is full of advice on relationships. It's just full of it. So I had to really hone down. I'm kind of like Ken a couple of weeks ago. I had this this message, and I had this message, and I had that message, and then they all kind of came together into one message, and then I was like, do I need to separate it out into different messages? And if I did, it would be summer vacation by the time I got done. (laughs) Okay, focus. So the first week of Home Improvements, Glenn set the tone for the series by talking about the building code. Not a set of rules, but God's ideal standard for the relationships in our lives. So that as we build those relationships, they can withstand what the world throws at us. This building code that he talked about included unity, openness, and authenticity in our relationships. That's that's part of God's standard uh, when we look at relationships in our lives. We looked at Genesis, where Adam and Eve were in the Garden of Eden, in perfect relationship with each other and with God, naked and unashamed, and we will talk more about that next week, I believe. He's going, oh, I guess we are now. Um, Yeah. And that's the ideal image of relationship. But as Glenn said, we don't live in the Garden of Eden anymore. We live in a world that's tainted and tarnished by sin. But through Jesus and the word of God, we can have restored relationship with God and healthy relationships here on earth as well. So if Glenn's message could be called Building Code, I'm going to call today's message Under Construction. Before beginning construction, it is essential to plan what you want to build. Before anything got demolished downstairs in the washroom renovations, the team had already redesigned the place, the space, and they knew what the plan was, preparing both financially, many of you took part in our capital campaign, thank you very much, raising money, uh, but practically as well, planning ahead for what that was going to look like. Before beginning, or I believe it's even more important that before beginning building a home or a family, we need to carefully plan what we would like to see for our future. And plan for what it will take to build that. You see, some people believe that when the right person walks into your lives, all of a sudden the sun comes out from behind the cloud and a choir starts to sing and they walk into the sunset and live happily ever after. It doesn't work that way. (laughs) Sorry. Proverbs 21 verse 5 
It says, good planning and hard work lead to prosperity, but hasty shortcuts leads to poverty. Prosperous relationships, that sounds great, but poverty in our relationships, not really want to go there. You know, when I was young, I had a plan for my life. It included a husband and kids. It also included living in the middle of nowhere, not being able to see another house from any window in my house, having a garden, which afterwards I learned I hate gardening, but anyway, that was my plan, have a garden and a pond and probably a horse. I loved it. I had it all planned out. I grew up, I started serving God, met Glenn, got married, and soon realized that everything I had ever dreamed of had come to be. But you might realize we're living in the city. We are not there right now. As Glenn and I committed to following God's plans for our lives, putting him first and seeking his will in all that we did, he revealed to us his plans. And as much as we loved that life that we had, there is nothing better than living in the God's plans for our lives, his plans and purposes. You see, God is not a magic genie that we just rub and pray to and then have all of our wishes come true. That's not the way that it works. He's the almighty, the holy one, the creator of the universe, the very air that we breathe. And as much as he wants to know the deepest desires of our hearts, we'll never be more fulfilled, more satisfied, more complete than when we follow his plans for our lives. I don't live in the middle of nowhere now. From our living room window, I, could prob I can probably see about a thousand homes. Um, I don't have a horse. But I wouldn't trade it for anything. Living out his plan for my life is so much more satisfying, rewarding than anything I ever could have planned for myself. Now, I sound like I'm contradicting myself. We make our plans, but we've got to commit our ways to God and seek his plans for our lives. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They're plans for good and not disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. Trust that the God that loves you so much that he sent his son to die for you also has good plans for you in this life. Don't run ahead of God. A huge part of the planning process, anyone involved on the team for downstairs with renovations will say a big amen to this, is evaluating the cost. Before they ever started down there, they, they got quotes and figured out what that price tag was going to be. Now, most of the times in our relationships, there might not be an actual financial price tag, well, at least until you start planning a wedding then there might be one. But we can plan for, count the cost of what it's going to take. In Luke 14, Jesus is talking to a crowd, and he's talking about the cost of following him. And he uses an analogy. Now, an analogy is um, an example that uses something that would be very familiar and common knowledge to people. And then you use that to teach another principle. So Jesus is using an analogy here, but he's teaching about counting the cost of a relationship with him. In Luke 14, verses 28 to 30, it says, But don't begin 
until you count the cost. For who, could, who would begin construction of a building without first calculating the cost to see if there's enough money to finish it? Otherwise, you might complete only the foundation before running out of money, and then everyone would laugh at you. They would say, there's the person who started that building and couldn't afford to finish it. Now, just like there's a cost to building, there's a cost to renovations, there's a cost to constructing a house, there's a cost to following Jesus, we also have to realize that there is a cost to building relationships in our lives. I think any of us who've ever been in any type of a relationship before know that it takes work. Relationships are built. Building is work. Whether it's a romantic relationship, a friendship, the bond between a parent and child takes work. Even relationships between siblings takes work. Ongoing work, but oh, so worth the time and the energy that it takes. So many times romantic relationships begin based on feelings. We can't always depend on feelings. Just saying. Attraction between two people. Or a couple decides because the couple decides to have a baby because they're so cuddly and beautiful. And who doesn't love babies? But wisdom says not to begin building until we count the cost. Are we prepared to pay the price of loss of independence, sharing time and space, having others to consider when we make almost every decision we face? There are extra financial costs to families. There's a loss of sleep when a child is born and all the new parents yawn. There are compromises that have to be made if we want to build relationships in our lives. Just ask any young mother who hasn't had a peaceful bath or eaten a meal while it's still hot for the past two years. (laughs) I still value a hot meal. (laughs) That was a long time. It's not that the outcome isn't worth the effort. A thriving marriage is really at the top of my list of the most satisfying things in my life. But it does cost. So please don't blindly walk into marriage relationship or adding to your family without realizing that there will be things that you have to sacrifice. Even building strong friendships cost us something, but they're good. A good relationship is worth the cost. Proverbs says that a man who finds a wife finds a treasure and that children are a gift from the Lord. Proverbs 27.9 in the Passion Translation says, Sweet friendships refresh the soul and awaken our hearts with joy, for good friends are like anointing oil that yields the fragrant incense of God's presence. Sweet friendships, they are so valuable to us. We are designed for relationships. We are made for family. We need community. Community is so essential, even in the planning process for our relationships. For example, when the renovations started downstairs, the team pulled in experts in plumbing, electricians, carpenters. We can and seek, we can and should seek expert advice when we're building relationships in our lives as well. When Glenn and I first got married, And I started talking about having babies. He wasn't ready yet, but that's all right. That might be a topic for next week, too. (laughs) You know, we we decided, okay, if the church ever offers a parenting class, we're going to be the first people to sign up for it because we knew the value of getting that expert advice in our relationships, knowledge on how to do things. 
Proverbs 24, verses 3 and 4 says, A house is built by wisdom and becomes strong through good sense. Through knowledge, its rooms are filled with all sorts of precious riches and valuables. A part of the reason why we are tackling this topic of relationships is because so many of you have been asking the right questions. So know that in seeking wisdom, you're already making steps for successful relationships in your lives. You are planning well. Continue to ask. We are not going to shy away from the tough questions in this series. I'm going to get into a little bit of controversial stuff here in a minute. Ask the tough questions. We will do our best to find out what God's word says about them. So I want to take a quick look at the construction zone of relationships. And because I like preaching with three points and I love alliteration, we're going to look at the foundation, the framework, and the finishing touches. So our foundation, whether we are single or married, whether we have children or not, whether... Any type of situation you find yourself in, the very first thing to take care of is the foundation. And the foundation of every successful relationship in our lives has to be Christ. Matthew 7, verses 24 to 27, and I think Glenn used this in his message uh, on building codes says anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise like a person who builds a house on solid rock though the rain comes in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against the house it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock but anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand when the rains and floods come and the winds beat against that house it will collapse with a mighty crash Knowing Jesus and following what he teaches us is foundational for success in our marriages, in our families, in our friendships. Once we have the foundation of Jesus in our lives, then we can begin to look at the framework. The Bible has so much instruction as I mentioned, on marriage and parenting. There is no way that we can cover it all in this series. So we're going a little bit wide this morning. But we, I'm going to list off some references for you that I'm not going to take the time to get into and read this morning. But I want you to jot these down. If you're somebody who has a journal, I'm going to just throw them out there really quick. Jot these down, look at them, study them, read them on your own. Remember that we have the home improvement question cards. Uh, you can find one of those. If you take one with you, and as you're reading through these scriptures, I can hear pages turning. I love this. I should tell you to write things down more often. Take one of those cards with you, and as you read through these scriptures, if there's anything that you have a question about, write it down, bring it back, drop it off of Faith Next next week uh, or the week after, and then we're going to try to answer the, some of those questions. All right. So are you ready? Okay, real quick. 1 Corinthians chapter 7, absolutely filled with instructions for marriage. 1 Corinthians 13 is all about love. Colossians 3, 18 to 21 deals with relationships in families. 1 Peter chapter 3 starts with instructions for wives and husbands. Proverbs 
you basically got to read it all because there's so much wisdom for marriages and parenting in there. Song of Solomon is interesting to read together. I would not recommend it for family devotions, though. That's just husband and wife. So today, okay, so you've got those down. Take them, read them, bring back any questions about those. Today, we're going to take a few minutes, and we're going to look at part of Ephesians chapter 5, the beginning of chapter 6, as an example for the framework for families. The frame of a house is what holds everything else together. The drywall gets attached to it. The shingles get attached to it. Every, the windows go into it. I, I sound like I know what I'm talking about, but I don't. <laughs> the framework holds it all together. So that's why I'm taking a little bit longer looking at the framework for families today. So I want to start with Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, And further... Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. I could just stop right there. <laughs> this is the framework for every family, every relationship. Submit. Be subject to or support each other is how that is defined. Because of our reverence or deep respect for Christ, period, support each other because of your respect for Christ. But Paul keeps going, so I'm going to as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 22 to 24. It says, For wives, so it's saying submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He's the savior of his body, the church. And as the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. So yeah, I just went there. <laughs> because it's biblical. And when we have God as our foundation, his word as our framework, we'll have success in our relationships. So girlfriend, if you are a wife, or if you would someday like to be a wife, this is important. And men, don't tune out here, because this is important for you as well. This does not mean that we as wives don't have a voice or a say in our homes. This does not mean that we suddenly become doormats when we say, I do. Marriages are partnerships. We do this together. We do all of the mess called family together. Glenn and I talk about almost every decision, big ones especially, sometimes for long periods of time before decisions are made. What this does mean, though, is that when we've talked things over, when we have prayed about a decision, when we've listened to each other, if we don't agree 100%, then I go with his decision. I can remember when we were buying our house. This isn't in my notes. When we were buying our house when we first moved to the city here, I don't know how many houses we looked at. And then it came down to two. And I loved the kitchen in one of those houses. <laughs> I really did, but that was really the only thing that I loved about it. But who doesn't love a good kitchen? I loved that kitchen. But most of the rest of the other house really suited us and our family and what we were looking for in a home. But I just couldn't let go of the kitchen in that house. It was beautiful. And we were on two different pages for quite a while. 
I say quite a while, but we were in a hurry to buy a house, too. <laughs> Nine days. Anyway, we weren't on the same page. And I went to bed and just we just prayed again, like, okay, God, like, I just need to know. And I got up in the morning and I looked at Glenn and I was like, we're going to go with the one that you like. And we have loved that house. It's perfectly suited for us, for our family, for, for having people over. Um, it was the best decision ever. And I would have regretted the other house. I know I would have. Because their sub pump had water in it in August. And it was a dry summer. So I know. So I just, you know, it's not that we don't have a voice. It's not that we don't have a say. But when it comes down to it, um, I go with his decision. But I can do that with complete confidence because I know that he values my opinion. He's not walking into it going, ooh, I get to have my way. That's not the attitude for husbands to take. He values my opinion. He listens to me, and I know that he listens to me. I can tell when I'm talking that he's listening. I can also tell when he's not listening. Girls, your husband will not be perfect. There is no such thing unless you marry Jesus. <laughs> he will not be perfect. He will make mistakes. He will let you down. But the covenant that we entered before God wasn't I will until... He makes a mistake. I will until he hurts my feelings. It was, I will, God, stay with this man. There's a blessing that comes to us when we allow our husbands to have the freedom to lead us. If Christ is his foundation, I have nothing to worry about. He will rise to the challenge of being the best leader that he can be for your family. Girls not yet married... I know there's a lot of you out here. Girls not yet married. I lost my place and I want to get this right. Girls not yet married. This is why it is so important for you to know that he is first committed to Christ. That his foundation is strong. Because if he doesn't have that foundation, your framework has nothing to sit on like it talked about in Matthew. So girls... Make sure his foundation is right before you go past that second date. Yes. It's important. Find a man who is already reaching for what God has planned for his life and let him lead you. Amen. If you are married and he is not handling his job of leading you well, the framework stays the same. Pray for him, honor him, respect him, and allow God to lead and guide him. Point him to Jesus. All right, let's keep going. Again, any questions, there's those cards. That's what they're for. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 25 to 29. For husbands, this means, wait, what means? Where was that other verse? And further, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For husbands, this means 
That means, husbands, that you're also submitting to your wives. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Men, this plan of God for you to lead your home, this is big. And I know that every man in here who has Christ as his foundation gets this. I know some people look at these scriptures and they think, oh, but, you know, like he could take advantage of that. Well, some people might, but I would challenge you that that person does not have Christ as their foundation. I would, I would even go to say that many of you who are following Christ and making him the foundation of your life, men, that you probably feel totally unqualified for the call for husbands that, that is in here in Ephesians. But God has called you to it, and he can equip you. To flourish in this. You know how important this is. You know that your wives need you to cherish them and love them, that your kids need a godly example set for them. You know that it isn't about you, that it's about the generations that are coming after you and the blessing that they will have of having a strong Christ-centered legacy when we get family right. Love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gave his life up for the church, for us. Being willing to die to self is the call of every husband. And men, you may not feel like you are qualified for that call, but know that God is for you. He will lead you. He will equip you, and as you follow him, sold out to his ways, he will give you every tool that you need to get this job done. I believe that you can do it. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 33. Let's keep going. Paul says, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Let's move down to chapter 6 and look at family relationships when there's children involved. Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 3 says, Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on the earth. My heart hurt for a family recently. A teenager came into my clinic, uh, and he was at his appointment at the wrong time. Mom had made a mistake in telling him what time he needed to be there. And as he called her from the waiting room, let's just say he was less than honoring to his mother. And I was hurting because the framework of this family was like askew. It was off kilter. It hadn't been set properly. And the house was just a little bit 
crooked because of it. When our kids were young, Glenn was so quick to correct them if they were ever less than honoring towards me. He set the example for them, and then he expected <laughs> My son in the front row <laughs> is like, oh, yeah. He set the example for them, and then he expected them to, to reach for that uh, example. And for the most part, they did, and they still do. They are still both honoring to me. It's the first commandment with a promise. Things will go well for you, and you will have a long life on earth. Some of you may have heard the expression about why this is true. It's because your mama brought you into this world, and she can take you out. <laughs> Sometimes negotiating these waters as an adult child of our parents can be difficult. There's some nods happening out there. When we come of age, this command does not change. We are still to honor our mothers and our fathers. Many cultures model this better than we do in the Western world. Honoring our elders is biblical, and it comes with a blessing. Let's keep going. Ephesians 6, verse 4. And I'm going to read this one out of the amplified version because it just amplified. It uses more words. It said, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Do not exasperate them to the point of resentment with demands that are trivial or unreasonable or humiliating or abusive, nor by showing favoritism or indifference to any of them, but bring them up tenderly with loving kindness in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Parents, this does not say that your children will never get mad at you. That's not what this is talking about. But be sure that you're leading them well. Knowing how to build a foundation on Christ is something that is so important to teach our kids so that when they leave their mother and father and begin their own families, they will be the men and women of God that their families need. We are setting them up for a win in their relationships when we get this right. So we looked at the foundation, we spent a lot of time looking at the framework, and then really quickly we're going to look at the finishing touches. When the building code has been established, the plans and preparations have been made, the costs have been counted, the foundation established and the framework is built, all that is left is the finishing touches. The aesthetic, the paint colors, the pictures on the wall, the furniture that you want to put in the rooms, the things that make your home unique to you. There, here, there is no right or wrong. There is no right or wrong. There are no moral consequences. There aren't really any biblical guidelines. Maybe your family has two kids, six kids, or no kids. Maybe husband and wife both have full-time jobs, or maybe one stays home and takes care of the family. Maybe you have a dog, maybe you don't. Whether he pays the bills or she pays the bills doesn't matter as long as the bills get paid. <laughs> Although we must be careful that we do not make a finishing touch something that is more than it, something more than it is supposed to be. We do have to take these things into consideration when we're considering marriage. I recently saw a Facebook post. 
And it said, Dear brothers, if you don't want your wife to work, then choose someone who doesn't want to work. Stop marrying girls with career ambitions and forcing them to sit at home hoping for them to change one day. They worked really hard for it. Don't shatter their dreams. And I thought, you know, there is some truth to that. So when you are maybe in dating relationships, take into consideration the finishing touches that make that person unique because it is important. Personal preference topics are things to be talked about and taken into consideration before marriage ever happens. If you are not yet married, take the time to get to know each other. Find out what God has placed in the heart of that person. And does it line up with what he's placed in your heart so that you fit together? We have to be ourselves. Don't try to be what you think somebody else wants you to be. Be you. That's all who God wants you to be. And that's who we have to be if we're going to have success. Worship team, you can come on up. I have no idea where you are. You know where you are. Good. There are different styles of homes. Families look different. Some have a mom and a dad and three kids. Some have a husband and a wife. Some are single-parent families. Many of us are child, spouse, and parent, all for different people in our worlds. Some families are a close group knit of friends who are there for each other. Maybe your home has one married couple, two single girls, and one single guy living all in under one roof, but God has brought you together for a season as a family because we need each other. So as you consider the relationships in your world, be willing to plan, to seek God's plan, to count the cost, to find yourself someone who has experience and good advice to draw that wisdom out of. Build on a strong foundation with the right framework and then add your finishing touches. As I mentioned, next week, Glenn and I are going to be up here together uh, just sharing wisdom, scripture. Um, we're going to talk, maybe you have found yourself in a family that maybe needs some renovations and uh, we'll, we'll tackle some of those things. How do you renovate a family when maybe some of this hasn't been built um, quite, quite right? There is hope. God is for you. Can I pray for you? God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the richness that we can find in your word, Lord, for every relationship that we encounter on earth. God, I pray today for those that are, are planning ahead, looking to the future, uh, trying to figure out what that looks like. God, I pray that they would seek you first. God, that yes, you want to know the deepest desires of our hearts. But God, help us to, to get a glimpse of what you have for us. God, I pray for those today that that maybe are recognizing that maybe their foundation is a little bit off. Maybe they built their foundation on feelings, God, or on a personality, and they're realizing today that they need that foundation of you. God, I pray that, you, God, you would just minister to hearts in this place today. God, because I know that it is never too late to make you the foundation. 
So God, as we look at every other relationship and we teach and we seek out wisdom, God, be the center of it all. Lord, Lord, be that firm foundation that we can build on for successful relationships. God, bring hope, bring wisdom. God, I pray, God, that you'd bring restoration to relationships and families in this place today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. If there's anyone here today that's realizing that they have not built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, that that wasn't even something to consider, please just let us know. Maybe at the end of the service, I'd love to chat with you more, um, talk about how that can be. Because God loves you. And that relationship can bring so much more than any other relationship in our lives. Thank you, God. Let's stand and worship together.